Hey guys, welcome back to the next episode of the After Hours Lounge. As promised, uh, this is part two with Lewis Cheatham. Um, really, really great to chat to Lewis again. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Here we are, guys, back in for part two uh, with Mr. Lewis Cheatham. Lewis is back. Lewis, how you doing, mate? I'm good, pal. Good to be back. Nice yeah. to see you again. Yeah, thank you so much for taking taking more time out. Um, as I said at the end of the last one, I think we just we had so much more to discuss. Um, and like we just said there, like weirdly, actually, you said you've had some messages about part one and things. So I think it's only fair that we give the people what they want and um, and, and carry on with uh, with part two. So, I mean, um, we kind of finished part part one off with you just started talking about how you, you, you know, made that transition into starting lifting heavy weights, I think, after an injury. Um, and you, you know, you, you, you set that kind of junior record um, and then we kind of finished there. So. Uh, when you when you did get that junior record, what was going through your head at that time? Were you like, "Holy shit, this is a career! I'm I'm going to be famous, and I'm the next Eddie Hall"? Or were you, were you very were you a lot more grounded in your in your kind of um, expectations of it? Uh, see, it's a really funny answer that because you think the common answer would be like you'd be satisfied, you would be happy, but you know, you know, as a athlete yourself, as soon as that athlete cap goes on, you're sitting there like, "Yeah, I just got the record," but within 30 seconds of achieving it, you're sitting there like, great, cool, what's next? And then yeah. you're, you're constantly like looking for like the next goal to achieve. And, but I think, you know, I think if you're a genuine competitor, if you, if you genuinely want to compete in the sport you want to do at a good level, then um, sitting there and being satisfied with your progress would be the quickest way to become stagnant. So you need to find that sort of healthy balance between, you know, wanting more, being proud of your efforts along with the whole team thing that we'll talk on you know be proud of the steps you've taken and how far you've come but at the end of the day an athlete's journey is never complete so uh yeah i instantly went to right okay because i had quite an experience of that day as well it was it was a really sort of bittersweet thing because uh on my squat i ended up bursting my eye um i had conjunctivitis like a couple of days before so at the bottom of the squat like my the blood vessels in my eye burst um so I kind of had to like adapt on that very day. So my one goal that day was to break British record bench for uh, teens under 100 kilos. And, um, you know, it's funny how quickly you've got to stay nimble with your plans and adapt to a situation. Um, it, it was quite an experience though. So I burst my eye on the, the squat, um, had to do bench next, secured the bench. And then it was just token gesture deadlift after that because... I wanted to secure a slot to get an invite to the British and uh, Worlds as well. So, yeah, that was an interesting one. Man, yeah, you, you, it's one of those things, I guess, you you know, weightlifting, especially when you're lifting that much, there must be, there's a lot of, like, risk of injury involved, isn't there? And, I mean, you know, I, I perhaps didn't think about it, but then, as I said, I've, like, caught World's Strongest Man a couple of times. I think I've even seen on your Instagram, it's things like, you know, you always see guys that have, like, blown out their pectoral muscle and things like that and they all, yeah. you see these horror story pictures of it all like I, I guess it all goes like purple straight away doesn't it and all these things yeah it's, it's it's quite funny it's it's really just down to like the mechanism of injury so you know like a tennis player will probably often get like a sprained ankle but for a powerlifter it comes down to the whole like bruising of things it's just you know when you sign the contract to dedicate your life to something it's uh, you just accept the fact that these sorts of things can happen. I mean, the human body wasn't designed to do these things. It was designed to hunt and kill, and um, albeit 
killing's not really a great thing to be promoting, but you know, back in the day, that's how we uh, survived. Yeah, designed to survive, um, exactly. You know, we weren't designed to be sort of lifting four times body weight at the best level sort of thing. So um, we're definitely pushing the boundaries. And that's why, you know, competitors are competing at the top for a reason, because, you know, they're doing things that other people can't, just like yourself, you know. You probably, your soft body wasn't designed to be hurtling across a wave at like 30, 40 mile an hour. It wasn't, it just simply wasn't designed to do that. Like if you were designed to be in the war, you'd have gills. So you're sort of pushing your boundaries that way. Yeah, Um, definitely. But no, you just kind of you just kind of accept it, and you know I was pretty upset about my arm. Uh, that happened at work, so it wasn't even uh, training. My eye that was training related. I just you just have to accept it. You know, there's there's not really a great deal you can do because, as we said in podcast part one, like your recovery process takes what say six weeks. Yeah. You know, those six weeks are going to pass anyway. So, like, are you still going to try and get better in those six weeks? Are you going to wallow in self pity? Are you going to apply yourself to actually becoming something better? So. Um, just kind of had to reevaluate, and then um, jumped on board with Kabuki Strength because I knew I was going to come back and do something bigger and better. So uh, it was it was an experience. I've had a lot of nice experiences in a short space of time, and it, it's it's even about taking the not so positive experiences and um, turning them into something constructive for the future. Um, you know, you always lay your foundations and then build the house. So it was just about building the foundations and. So getting brick by brick better and better. And you know, I'm not even I'm not even close to being done yet. So I really enjoy that about the sport, to be fair. Mm. Yeah, well I guess I guess in terms of like injury and recovery or whatever it is, like you're you're applying that same mindset you've got when you're training, but just to a different process. Whether it's whether it's stretching and getting better, whether it's literally you just have to lie on the sofa for two weeks and just rest. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what it is, you've kind of just got to go full power into whatever it is, you know? I, uh, it's actually quite a funny thing because um, working with Emma Hackett recently, it's become a big thing that purposeful rest is quite important. So when you constantly have your athlete cap on, you're sitting there like, right, what can I learn? What can I do? What can I do next? You know, you don't actually realize that sitting doing nothing is actually sometimes the best thing to do. So, you know, it's, the nice thing about being a competitor of any level is finding a balance between what to do with your life, what's right and what's wrong, you know, because there isn't a textbook that says this is right for everyone. You know, yeah. you just have to interpret it in your own way and apply it to your life, what suits you best. And, you know, that's that's how the gym works as well. So, you know, you can go in and you might do a year or something and, it, you know, you don't get very far in that year. But the important thing is, you know, things don't change unless you try. So, you know, if you give up, then, you know, you're not going to take another step forward. Well, that's it. I mean, I, for, for me, I always find out, and this is probably very different for you, but like, you know, over, over lockdown, I didn't windsurf for, I think I worked out, it was the longest I haven't windsurfed in, in one amount of time for like eight years, you know. Yeah. I didn't windsurf in that time, but then my first couple of sessions back, I windsurfed way, way, way better than I thought I would. And I think, and I always find that if yeah. I go a few weeks, if I go a few weeks without doing it, I always, I always sell better those first couple of times. I think because I'm going in with a fresh head and I'm not overthinking a lot of things, and it all, everything just seems to work. I see, yeah, I seem always seem to sell better after I've had a break. No pressure. That's, that's why. Yeah, I don't know whether that's something that that you find because obviously you've got things like if you don't train for a while, you know, you'll start to start to kind of lose lose the power. Um, but I, I don't know if that's a thing for in, in weightlifting as well, or you know when 
you, you do take a couple of weeks off or after rest, do you find you having to like build yourself back up or can you go in after a couple of weeks and smash out like more reps than you've done for a while? Yeah, I mean, like you've very much got to keep the load constant when it comes to powerlifting. Yeah. Like, you know, taking three weeks off or four weeks off, you're definitely not going to be as strong as you were. Yeah. But the, the important thing is, um, whereas it might have taken you a year to build up X amount of strength, um, if you once had it, you bounce back pretty quickly. So it might yeah, only yeah. take you that couple of weeks to get back to where you were. You just need to you need to be okay with yourself. You need to you need to appreciate the fact that your body hasn't been performing. You know, um, it hasn't had the time to warm up, or uh, you know, all your receptors aren't really firing in the same ways anymore. So you just need to sort of calibrate your body again and um, just understand the fact it's part of the process. You know, you can't go in a hundred percent. Um, right from the get-go so as long as you appreciate the fact of that and avoid injury because that's really that's going to set you back longer than yeah. four or five weeks so you just need to sort of train smart be smart um, I would always say you know try and get a coach as well because accountability is really important too and even just getting some sort of validation from somebody of a superior level and um, turning around and saying you know bro like you know, you've had a hard couple of weeks. Like these things happen. Like don't don't let it get to you. And having that sort of validation from somebody else could put your mind at ease, so that when you do go back in, it's just kind of like second nature. You're just enjoying it. You know, like yourself, you went back on the wave and you had a really good time. I bet you were almost dreading it, but you know, you sat there and, and had a real good time. Yeah, well, you, yeah, exactly. You kind of, I kind of psyched myself up, and well, I kind of just you end up lowering your expectations, which I guess sometimes can be a good thing. Um, because yeah. I, I mean, I always, I always hold myself very, very accountable for like how I, how I perform when I'm out there, you know, and like, I don't, I don't, I don't compete or anything like all, the only person I'm competing against is myself, you know, like I'm not, I'm, I'm literally like, I was out this afternoon, I'm going out for fun, but still in my head, I'm like, if you don't do this, you're going to go in <laughs> and you're not going to have had a good time, you know? Yeah. It's just that sort of self-expectation because you know, you've spent years getting better. And if yeah. you didn't challenge yourself in that way, then you know, you'd just perform at a sort of like Sunday driver level. And obviously your thirst for <laughs> uh your thirst for being on the on the water was a lot greater than that. So yeah. you know. Especially with the sort of calibre of skill that you're aware of. Well that's it. But that's relative as well, isn't it? You know, like and and I, I always find it funny, you know, because that is, you know, this whole relative, relative, relativity thing I've been thinking about quite a lot recently. Because like, oh, you know, we'll go out on the water and I'm in the top probably five, ten percent of people on the water in terms of skill level. But like, like I think we said this in the previous uh, in part one as well. Like, like guys will go into the gym and see you, and you're lifting like you know two hundred kilos or whatever. And now you're like, fuck. I wanted to lift more, but they're, they're reaching for that. They're like, Oh, the day I, but what they don't know is that the day that they do 200 kilos, they're going to be like, right, good. Now I need 210. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really bittersweet, like success story. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. So, I mean, does that, obviously you have those expectations within yourself. Um, and you know, that whole bittersweet thing, would you say that comes across to, to your team as well? Obviously, you said you've got a mindset coach, you've got the guys that actually coach you for the powerlifting and stuff. Are they quite bittersweet about it or are they usually like trying to encourage you to not be so hard on yourself? Uh, you know, it's a really funny thing because um, it's hard to say like what their approach is because if I knew all their cards, 
then I would sit would and like them. second guess them. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I would think that I would think that I knew better than them, and I would try and preempt what they were going to tell me. But um, yeah. you know, it's it's one of those. They keep me re- like really level headed. You know, like I don't, you know, I don't sit and get like massive amounts of praise or anything like that because you know as a coach of any kind they they take the time to actually learn you as a human and you know if you're like a a little dog that wants their head patted all the time to do better then that's how they're going to treat you but if if they recognize that you're a hungry human um and you respond better to that was good but let's do this you know they take that time to sort of understand you so i can't speak on behalf of all the coaches but me and the coaches that i've got i would say i've got you know a really strong relationship of I don't know what they're doing in the sense of, you know, I don't have their script. I don't know where we're going, but yeah. they always make it clear to me that there's, there's a path, you know I mean? There's nothing's done for no reason. Um, but in terms of my performance recently, um, being under the wing of these people, uh, like I've given them the time and I'm now reaping the rewards of that sort of thing. So accountability in a coach is a, is a big thing. And, you know, I spend a lot of money uh, per month on coaching. Like you have to be sure that you want to do it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's no investment like self-investment. You know, I'll never see that money again. You know I mean, it's not like I can sell all those months of coaching and then, you know, get a refund. Like yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't yeah. work that way. But, yeah. um, you know, what I've gained up here and even the happiness that I've experienced in the gym um, and the relationships I've built through it, it's, you know, it's worth no amount of money. That, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pointless. Exactly. It's, it's a completely different, uh, it's a completely different type of, um, I can't think of the word. It, it, it's a completely different experience to spend money on something like that rather than spending something money on like uh, a new watch or a new pair of shoes. Yeah, there you go, Which yeah. Lovely, and it's great, and it, it does make you feel good. You know, you have a new watch, or you have a new pair of shoes, you're like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, I look cool. Or I really like them and things. But that will slowly go, whereas the benefits of what you're spending money on in terms of the coaches and things like that, your your appreciation for that is only going to go up. You're only going to you're only gonna enjoy it more and more as time goes on, whereas something more material is going to go the opposite way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, like a, a watch isn't going to help you sleep at night. You know, yeah. It can wake you up in the morning if it's got an alarm setting, but really, when you're going to bed at night, you want to be sitting there thinking, like, how am I making my day tomorrow better? Yeah. You know, how am I How am I going to improve? And, you know, coaches help you get there. So I uh, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without the support that I've had. And, uh, you know, like we were saying earlier, you can't do any process without understanding there's a team behind them. Yeah. You know, even even like a cyclist like doing Tour de France, like it's their legs, you know, their team sitting in a car. Like they're not they're not getting out of breath with them to one like cycling up massive hills. At yeah. the end of the day, it's a team that makes the world go round. So, you know, not one person does it on their own. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's yeah, exactly. Did you did you ever watch the um have you watched the Andy Murray documentary on Amazon? No, I haven't yet, no. Oh, that's really good. That's because he got he's had a lot of injuries in his time and a lot of that is about his team and he's gone through so many trainers and, you know, he's obviously got a lot of people on his side and it's a really good documentary and you can see that without all these people, he he literally would be a tenth of the person he is, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it's funny, isn't it? You look at guys like that or like, you know, Tiger Woods or, you know, all these guys that are in solo sports and, and you often, I guess, forget. I mean, I forget it myself. 
um, you forget that actually they've probably got at least five to ten people behind them monitoring every aspect of their mental health, physical health, you know, everything. Um, do you think there's do you, like a? Do you, think, uh, do you think that should get kind of more recognition, or or because a lot of a lot obviously a lot of the focus is on the athlete? Like, what do you what do you think about that? I mean, I think I think these people. Um, you know, the coaches at that level, I think they kind of take an appreciation for what they do behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, they they get that sort of self-satisfaction to say that, yeah, I worked with Tiger Woods. You know, that's where they, that's where they get their fun. Like, you know, like Tiger Woods isn't going to put his coach on the screen and say, this is everything my coach told me to do so that everyone else is getting it for nothing. Yeah. I mean, like, you've, got to, you've got to stay a step ahead somehow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously that's the greatest advertisement, like having a sportsman of that level. Um, but I definitely think that you know when you know when like the end of like a race or you know a boxing match where everyone starts thanking their sponsors, a lot of people are like, "Oh God, boring! Like what's going on here? All I'm hearing you is rattling some names off." But you know all those names are part of the process to get somewhere, and, and right enough, they get their minute of fame. You know the boxer might get six months of fame. Who knows? But like even that one minute is important to that person because they put the work in too. Like not one person is so really good at something that they don't need anyone else. Like everyone needs refined, everyone needs sort of nerve control, management control, um, even like a media team, like when they get to that level. So it's uh, it's definitely not a solo. I don't think any sport is a solo sport, definitely to be not. honest. Definitely not. Well, I mean, I you know, as well, like on that note you said there about people thanking their sponsors and stuff, like, I think a lot of it, you're right, it does often look a bit like forced and you're like, oh, you're being told to do this. And it's like, well, of course they're being told to do it, but like, it's it's just part of the job. Like, why don't people understand that, you know? And actually, yeah. it's it's, help, it's, they, it's what they've chosen to do as a career. I think a lot of it's out of jealousy where people are like, oh, shut up, we're boring. Because in their heads, they're going... Oh, guaranteed, yeah. I wish I was coached by this person. I wish I was sponsored by Under Armour. I wish I was, you know, whatever. Um that would be a nice problem to have, would it? Right, exactly. Yeah, dude, exactly. I mean, I was told when when I was um, when I was you know twenty twenty one and stuff. Like my my manager at the uh, water sports centre, Ollie Scott. Big up, Ollie. Listens to every episode. But Ollie said to us when we were younger about trying to get sponsored and stuff, and he was like, "Boys, just fake it till you make it." He was like, "Just ask everyone, do everything you can, get as much as you can out of this. You know, get as many." you know, as many deals as you can, all this. And like a couple of us did, and we did pretty well out of it. And you get a lot of contacts. And now for me, you know, going into like the industry, you know, I'm in now and things, it's helped. You, you meet all these people and people learn your name. And it, 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 transfer, it transfers from the sport into just life, you know. Um, so it's like, it's pretty good words that Ollie said to us all those years ago. Just fake it, fake it till you make it. And then when you do make it, yeah. like, oh shit, I've done it, you know. Um, solid words of advice I mean obviously uh, sponsorships are probably like few and far between to be fair um, it's just one of those like nice to have things I'm sure there's there's plenty of people that have picked up sponsorships even though they didn't really value the product and all that sort of thing but at the end of the day you know like like we were saying earlier 10 years to become a professional at what you do or like one of the one of the most elite you know those 10 years they need supported somehow so you got to kind of like understand the process like as long as you're not an idiot and just sort of naive you know you you, you understand the bigger picture don't you exactly we it's it's that and then it's it's time time on the water time on the mats 
you know, time with the weights. It's, it's, you know, they say 10,000 10, hours, don't they? 10,000 hours. To yeah, that's what they say, yeah. 10,000 hours to master a skill. So it's, that's, that's, a, that's a fucking long time. It's a yeah. very long time. Well, it's a lot. It takes a lot of dedication, you know. And then, like, one thing that I'm really interested in that you said last week, that's actually kind of, it's resonated with me all week, actually, is that you were talking about your, um, your, your mindset when you were kind of doing the bodybuilding and things, when you were a bit younger and getting into that. And you decided to kind of take that mindset of, like, dedication and discipline and stuff and kind of start applying that to outside, you know, life outside the gym. So just daily life and things. And like, I, th- I think that's something I've been trying to like, trying to, trying to do for the last few months because we've had lockdown and stuff. I've kind of had the time to like, things like that. Even for, for me, I've got like, we're touching on injury. I've got really bad ankles. I've got a bad back. My hips aren't very good. So like, I, I stretch, I stretch for 20 minutes a day. I have to do it. Yeah. And like before I never did it. And I was like, oh yeah, I stretch and I do it like this. But I get out of bed. And I stretch for 20 minutes before I do anything. And I, it's like religious now. I can't even not, I can't not do it. Um, so that's like, I guess that's a bit of dedication that I've taken from, you know, windsurfing, the injuries are from windsurfing and it's, it, it's, it's ended up helping, you know, but I've kind of taken that and put it in and now, now I can't do my day without it. Um, I mean, does that, you know, have you, have you found yourself kind of taking things, not necessarily activities like that, but, like taking that mindset and putting it into daily life, I guess that's helped quite a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, like even not even so specifically to myself, like I understand lockdown has been a very hard process for a lot of people, but everyone really had the option to sort of do something or do nothing. And a lot of people you've seen actually, you know, went out of the way, like fitness pages and, you know, doing like home workouts. And albeit even if the content wasn't, you know, um, overly advantageous to anyone to do like some of it was really basic stuff and you know the chances of you building your sort of dream body out of it was pretty much nil but at the end of the day they held themselves accountable they needed a reason to get out and move and actually do something and, and to me that's a form of dedication yeah. that's been developed by the gym um, or, or along those lines sort of applying yourself to being something better or um, I think that's actually a really important point to make because like we said time goes on what are you going to do with it you know, yeah. you can either do something or do nothing. So yeah. um, if you start holding yourself accountable, understand that, you know, you you look at somebody drive by in a Lamborghini, right? And you're sitting there thinking, God, I'd really like that Lamborghini. But then you're like, well, how did they get there? You know, seldom are they actually just gifted it. Okay, they might have had a better start in life. Some of them might have had a worse start in life than you ever had. But at the end of the day, they're the ones sitting in the Lamborghini. Like, they're still human. They're still, they're still a person that had you know, 20 years of life, 30 years of life, 40 years of life, you know, in the same way that you've got that opportunity as well. Now, I'm not saying I'll ever have a Lamborghini, but why I'm saying is that it's important to actually see yourself as a person that's got the same opportunities as these people to actually go out and conquer. Like I know, I know a few people that are fairly young and successful businesses and, um, you know, got like really nice cars, a nice house out of what they do. And, and it's, even if that's materialistic items, it's still, it's still a hustle. Like you're, you still put that grind in um, and whatever your ideal goals are, you just want to make sure that you're taking steps toward them. Like, you know, um, I'm working a full-time job just now away half the year, but yet I still want to set up my own business at home and I still transport cars at home, yeah. even though it's not necessarily required. I just like having that opportunity to sort of not give myself that glass ceiling. Like I can still progress and, 
you know, the business success is down to my ability to put the effort in. Um, so it's just important to recognize that I, did, I wasn't born this human. Like this, this didn't, I wasn't, I was a really fat kid, like I've <laughs> been happy sitting eating digestives for the rest of my life for cups of tea. Like I genuinely probably would have been pretty happy with that. But, um, you know, there was just something that the whole, what you put in is what you get out. Yeah. In its most simplest form, like if you're willing to put in those ten thousand hours, and you're willing to you know go in with intent and actually try and better yourself, then you know like the rewards are going to come. Like if you put the formula in, the answer is always going to get calculated, and the answer is success, whatever you deem that as. If you put that effort in, you will get that back. There is no way to avoid it. Definitely. Well, I think I think like like what we said. Um, earlier on about your your goals in your chosen sport you know and it's those, those are completely relative you know and I also think your your kind of aims and things in life are also completely relative like someone your your idea of happiness is probably completely different to mine which is completely different to my next door neighbor completely different you know yeah. everyone's everyone's level of happiness you know for me I like I know you're you're into your cars and stuff like I couldn't give a shit what car I drive like yeah. you know, like it's literally, it's it's just not something I've ever ever been around, you know. Um, so like that's not for me. The goal for me isn't isn't having that, you know. For me, my goal and like you know, I'm now I'm now self-employed and stuff, and I basically have built my business around me being able to go in surfing, you know. And that's my that's my level of like happiness. And I'm only a year into it, so it's only starting. And I'm I'm obviously you know hoping it's going to grow. But like my mum said something to me yesterday that really, really resonated with me. And she said, you're not, you're not building an empire, you're building a life. Um, yeah, and I said to her, I said, I, I said to her, I said, you know, if I accidentally build an empire, that's pretty cool too. Um, but for, for me, I don't want to build an empire. I want to build a life. I want to enjoy myself. And everyone, I see a lot of these people, oh, you, should, you should spend your 20s hustling and stuff. And I'm like, you want to spend your 20s hustling, do it, enjoy it. Yeah. It's That's all down to that person, yeah. Exactly, but for me, I've spent my 20s having a very, very, very good time and doing something that I've ab- I absolutely love and spending some time in the most beautiful places in the world. But now I'm, I mean, I'm 29 in a couple of months and now I'm like, right, now let's, now let's hustle for a bit. Do you know what I mean? But everyone's, yeah. everyone's at that different place and I, I find it sometimes a bit frustrating that people seem to have like a, a, a kind of stopwatch on it, you know? Like, yeah, you're right. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that gets me. Yeah, I've got a bit to say on that when you got a chance. But um, I think off the back of what you're saying there, like, just it just struck me real hard there. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, I had the button. Like, no. It just it just triggered me. Like, it got, it got me good. But <laughs> like, you know, whether you want to work all the hours in the week in your twenties, like that's fine if that's what you want to do. Or if you want to like go out and party for all those weeks, that's fine. That's what you want to do. But I think the important message is, is whatever you decide to do, make sure you do it. Like believe in your cause. You know, for example, like I got renegade tattooed on my knuckles. Now understand like that probably makes me look like a bit of a toe rag, but at the end of the day, I believe in my cause. Like, uh, renegade powerlifting and then i'm sitting there like renegade recoveries and transport like believe in your cause like whatever your cause is go out and fight for it yeah like, don't just sit there and be like yeah cool like i i kind of believe i should be working all week but yet you're only working part-time come on like if that's your cause believe in your cause go yeah. and actually achieve that cause you know what i mean yeah well you should you should own it shouldn't you if you're like if you're you know in windsurfing we say a lot of like oh yeah you're, you're doing it full, full power you're putting full power into it 
you know, like you're you're going full power. You know, you if you're gonna like go and chill out and enjoy yourself in your twenties and go and do it, you know, do it. full power, full power, chill out, full full power, like do it. You know, go to go travel, go and see all this stuff, go and do it. If you're gonna work, like and that, and you're putting all this stuff on Instagram about how you're an entrepreneur and you're doing this, back it up, do it. Go and spend hours doing this and you know all this. But I just that it really it's really jarring me, especially recently. I think because I've entered the the world of being self-employed, I see all this stuff of people like twenty-four-seven hustle, love, rise, uh, yeah. eat, grind, yeah. all this, and I'm like, oh, shut up! You know, it it really it, it kind of annoys me, and I'm I I try really hard not to. I, I I kind of express my views, but I'm very I try and be very open, and I'm like, if that's what you want to do, go do it. But I don't I don't try and like influence other people on like how i do things you know because i'm not it's not what i'm about i don't want to do that i just want to you know the reason i started this podcast i want to talk to other people to see how they do things as well you know it's more out of a curiosity rather than me trying to be like you did it wrong because you spent the last 10 years in an office and i spent the last 10 years on a beach you know yeah i mean we know what we'd rather but you know people's circumstances are just you say that but I reckon there's a lot of people that wouldn't you know there's a lot of people that are like no I love I love being in the city I love the buzz I love like there's a guy called um Gary V I don't know if you know who Gary V is he's a he's like a he's like a social media uh like he basically he's like an investor he's an early investor in Facebook um and he's a very 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 successful man and he does a lot of podcasts a lot of this and a lot of YouTube and all this stuff and he talks about how he can't he can't sleep unless there's like a load of noise outside. He has to like open the window in the center of New York because he needs the buzz and all this, you know? So like there are people out there that need that. There are people that don't like being at the beach. There are people, you know, that don't want to chill out and sit on the beach and drink beer, you know, uh, just like there are people who don't want to go and stand in a gym and try and lift 300 kilos, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's really strange. I don't know what I've done yet to my uh, to my screen. That's all right. I can I can still hear you. Sorry, guys. Okay, Lewis, man. Lewis has gone blank for a second. Um, <laughs> technical difficulty. Technical difficulties. That's the one. You are at the other end of the country, after all. I'm actually in the middle of the North Sea. So. <laughs> oh, are you? We'll put that down to the issue. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're all, are you offshore? Are you? I am. Yeah, man. Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that that's like something that that really like fascinates me is that everyone's everyone's kind of expectations are also completely different. Oh, he's back, everyone, he's back. He's back. He's fixed it. He's fixed it. So I mean, in do you when you're with you now because obviously now you're kind of fully in the sort of powerlifting world. Um, is that do you find that everyone who's involved in that? I mean, you you've obviously been to all the competitions and stuff. Is everyone? you know, a pretty similar person? Do you find a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds or is everyone kind of on the same sort of straight and narrow? I think I'm still down to the person. Like, there's still a lot of sort of politics involved and right. that sort of area of the sport. You know, at the end of the day, uh, everyone's your competition. So it's just it's just down to the sort of individual and how they want yeah. to see you. Like, for example, like I've met some really good people through it, right? And, you know, people that I would probably battle with on a stage right but the important thing is like i use these people in a way that you know i would love to become friends with them but at the end of the day i would love to be able to like make them sweat to make sure that they tried to beat me 
and exactly. they, they had to try. Like it wasn't going to be easy. You know, it's important because a competitive relationship is, um, you know, it could be the key to the next best 10 training sessions. Like you never know because you're sitting there wanting to beat that person you're training with. But yeah. that could be the difference between putting out an extra five kilos on your working set or being a pussy and then keeping, you know, as much weight off the bar as you can just to get it by. So, you know, I don't I don't want to treat anyone as my competition unless they sort of badmouth me. And, you know, at the end of the day, the way I see it is as soon as game day comes, then I'm about me. Like, I'm about what I'm going to do. Yeah. And, you know, if I'm competing against you, like, you can either be with me or against me. Like, that's fine. I don't really care what you do at the end of the day. Like, it's... It's just nice to be in the surrounding, and if you want to get on board, and I want to be on board with you, but I'm not here to try and convince you. I'm here to do a job, and that's to basically, you know, pull more than I've ever pulled before. Yeah. So I'm happy with that. As soon as game day's over, yeah, cool. Let's go get a beer. Let's go chill out. Like let's go do something. But I'm there for a job on the day, and I know that sounds sort of big-headed, but everyone operates in their own way. You know, everyone has that sort of level of arousal. Some people are like, you know, like I, I just want to zone out. Like, oh, well, listen to music. Maybe other people just want to go and speak shit to other people and yeah. sort of rail them up, trying to throw them off and use that whole like aggression tactic. Yeah. But you know, everyone's got their own way. But at the end of the day, I've got a, I've got a, like a, a way that I like working. Like, I'm, I'm not a very animated person. Like, I'm, I'm usually pretty chilled out. So, um, I just like to go and do my thing. Uh, and make sure that, you know, I leave an impact at yeah. the end of the day. Like, I want people to think, well, who the fuck was that? Yeah. So that's you know, that's my personal way. You don't end up getting, like, the whole sort of UFC boxing, like, theatrics and stuff then. <laughs> yeah. you, you try and keep out of that stuff. I mean, it's not really me as a person. Like, that's not really my style, so <laughs> I can't say. Maybe some people do, but I was gonna say, uh, you yeah, don't really have yeah. enough time for it, you know, man. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, you're literally going in and I guess you just go in, do your lift and then like walk off and someone else comes on and does theirs. Yeah, it's so quick. Like it's just right, call, call, call. And then that's it. Like, you know, when your time's done, your time's done. It's time for the next group. Like there's there's maybe like a hundred plus people trying to do a lift on that day, you know. So um yeah, you don't really have too much time to sort of do you prefer um, Billy Big Bollocks. Yeah. Do you prefer being one of the first people to go or one of the last? Like, do, do you get kind of psyched up seeing all the other competitors like lifting first or would you rather just go in and do it yourself and just kind of, again, like be a bit of a laser and just stay focused on yourself? Or do you kind of watch others and go, you know, that's like, does that psych you up a bit? I don't know, man. Like, I don't think I've found my happy medium yet. Like, I, you know, I like doing the, I like doing the chasing, but, you know, I also don't want too much time without yeah, enough time to think about it or doubt myself. Like, you know, that's why working with like a mindset coach is coming in so that no matter where I am, I'm still going to perform at optimal uh, conditions. So, you know, it's, I'm, I'm still learning, bro. Like, I'm still just a, a little fish in a big pond. So I'm just slowly trying to swim my way up the creek and try and get to the top. For sure. Do, um, do a lot of the other kind of athletes and stuff that you do the competitions with, like, do you do you know do, do they all kind of have um, have coaches as well and things or would you say you're like you you take it maybe quite a lot more seriously than those guys? Um, I think well even even the best people in the world are coached by somebody else. It's all down to accountability, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I would say that you'd struggle to find anyone at a competition that hasn't got a coach, right? Um, unless it was maybe their first one, you know, and they're just kind of dabbling in it because. Who really wants to spend 50, 60, 100, 200 pound a month on coaching? Um, 
you know, if they don't really know, they really want to do it. So they yeah. maybe put their foot in the water first, test the temperature, see how it is, and then decide if they want to jump in or jump out. Yeah, I guess, yeah, you're right. All the, all the guys that are probably there for the competition are taking it seriously enough that they've already invested. And I think, I suppose, something like weightlifting and stuff, you it's one of those things where you, you need a coach. You know, having a coach is very, very useful. Yeah, like you could take it really easy on yourself if you didn't. You know, you'd sit there and be like, I really can't be bothered training tonight. Like, a, fuck, man, my knees are kind of sore. Or, you know, it's probably just in your head as well. Like, the easy option is always the easy option for a reason, yeah. you know, because you sit and do nothing. So yeah. you just you just need that sort of accountability to make sure that you're checking in every week. You know, you don't want to let them down. You don't want to waste your money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. Do you think... Um is you know in terms of some, something like mental health and stuff like that do you think is that is that kind of something that's at the forefront in terms of because like powerlifting is like you know it's got to be one of the most kind of like masculine sort of sports out there i'm not saying there aren't women that do it but there is that whole like tough man image so do you think something like mental health tends to fall by the wayside or do you think it is because everyone maybe has a coach it's it's kind of it's kind of looked after quite a lot i think Everyone has their own reason why, no matter what that's in. Like, why do people do that for a job? Why do people yeah, yeah. do that as a support? Everyone has their why. So, you know, when it comes to mental health, maybe their 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 mental health reason is powerlifting. Maybe powerlifting isn't like the forefront of the attention. It's like a like a side product of the mental health aspect. You know, yeah, everyone's got their own story. That's what I love about it. Like, everyone's got their own story. Yeah. Um, but for me personally, I have found a balance between doing something I love and something I just happen to be, you know, like okay at, which I really want to pursue because I've just found that love. Um, but for me, it's been a massive mental health release um, and, and something that I've managed to look at myself and say, like almost look at myself as like third person. Yeah. Being like, look, bro, like, you know, the gym makes you happy. It makes you feel good. It makes you like release all this stress that you're maybe feeling, you know, um, and then I put myself back in my head and then I go to the gym yeah. and then I get that release, you know, like it gives you that sort of like third person, just sort of realization yourself, which is the big one for me. And I can't speak on behalf of everyone, but I can only tell my story and yeah. then hope that it resonates with somebody else. Well, I think, I think that's it. And I like, for me with windsurfing and stuff, like I'm a, I'm a massive like overthinker. Like I overthink everything like in, you know, daily life doesn't matter what it is. I always overthink it. So having something to focus on, like, you know, windsurfing or surfing or, you know, for you powerlifting or anything, I think that sometimes takes the overthinking out of it because I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about that or something specific, you know, I'm thinking, Oh, what, you know, I'm going windsurfing this afternoon. What moves am I going to try? And I'm like, Oh, I'll watch a couple of the videos on YouTube and, you know, or whatever, I'll, I'll, you know, watch past videos of me and see what I was doing wrong and stuff. Whereas that time could be spent overthinking about something really silly and me just going into my own head. Do you know what I mean? But actually being able to devote that time towards something productive instead, I think has, has helped me a lot. And I think that's, I think I've said in previous podcasts, I think a lot of people don't have that, which is a real shame. They don't have that passion that they can devote all that time and energy towards. Yeah, I think it's really important. Like, even if your passion is building jigsaws or models, or matter, you know, yeah. like it, it doesn't matter what it is. It's like when I'm saying believe in your cause, like really believe in your cause. You know, if you're a forty-year-old man that like really enjoys collecting action men, like yeah, you've got the risk of being on a register or something. But like, <laughs> you know, like believe in your cause. Like just yeah. whatever it is, just believe in your cause, man. Because at the end of the day, like 
it sounds cliche, you get one chance to live your life. And that's what, if that's what you want to do, then, you know, that's what you want to do. So just believe in it and do it. And do it with 100% effort as well. Like don't just half-ass it. Fucking do it. Yeah, you're going to get action, man. Make sure you got them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly, mate. Nice. Well, um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll kind of leave it there. So I've got a couple of like quick-fire questions for you, mate. Um, yeah, bro, come at me. You mentioned, you mentioned at the beginning um, that you, you, um, you kind of, the reason you started going to the gym was because you were drinking too much and all this when you were a teenager and things. Do you, do you still drink now? Uh, rarely like maybe like two three times a year or something like that or you know yeah. I might have like the occasional beer or two um, it's just because it's, it's it's more the associations of like you know what happened back then and it's not that I think I would slip back into it it's just I, I physically can't enjoy it the same way I used yeah. to like I can still go out and have a good night with a few pints and stuff but you know like I'll never get sort of blackout drunk it's just that association thing I just can't yeah. you know but it's not a bad thing for me because I'm like, well, you know, if I do something, I overdo it. So like yeah. if I start drinking again, like, well, I don't think I would slip back into it. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't because the love for powerlifting is more or whatever. But uh, yeah, I just, I tend to stay away from it. I don't get the same enjoyment out of it that I did at one time. So yeah, yeah that's funny. Because a lot of this podcast is based around drinking beers. So I, was, I usually one of these questions is what's your favorite beer? Um, but we don't uh, Desperados. That. Oh, you're I'm going to pick one okay. Desperado. Oh, yeah. yeah, man. I'm so, I'm so white girl when it comes to drinking. Dude, Desperados <laughs> are good. You get a little wedge of lime. Yeah, yeah. yeah, bro. You've got to be careful with them, though. You drink two or three of them and you're on your way, aren't you? Uh, probably even one of them. I'd be on my way. <laughs> <laughs> um, where's your Where's your, your happy place? Click your fingers right now. Where are you? Yeah, man. Just that sort of question alone is so broad. Like a... You know, one minute I'd be driving my car in some nice scenery, like decent company, or you know, it's it's, it's pulling a personal best lift with some really angry music on in the background. Yeah. Like it, it just depends. And I find a happy place in a few different places, but uh, I mean, I get myself there. That's the important thing. Dude, that's a, that's a, a happy place. Dude, that's, that's that's a really good answer. Like, yeah, you're. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical place, does it? You know. No, not at all. Um, are you are you a, are you a movie man? Are you a TV man? Like obviously you're offshore at the moment. Downtime? Are you you watching anything? What do you what do you what do you like? Uh, so when we speak about doing things and overdoing them, I literally watched like one episode of The Money Heist, and then like three days later I finished them. I was like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" So if anyone hasn't watched The Money Heist, I'd say the first thing you need to do is go and watch that. Oh, dude, I've I've not watched it. I think you're the se- you're the second. Oh man, you're the second guest that said that. Oh, bro. It's for a reason. Yeah. Oh, man, I need to watch it. I watched, I watched Ozark in, uh, in lockdown. That's really good. I've not watched that one, no. Oh, it's, on, it's on Netflix. It's about money laundering. It's really good. Hey, man, like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty talented when it comes to watching films. Like, I can watch, like, How to Train a Dragon and still enjoy it just as much. Like, it really doesn't bother me what sort of films. I think, I think good... Apart from horror. Good, good content is good content, isn't it? You know? Yeah, you can't take that away, can you, man? No, nah, not at all. Um, and then usually I ask favourite sport, but obviously this whole podcast has been around your sport, so I don't feel like I need to do that. Uh, no, it's actually it's actually motocross racing. That's my favourite one to watch. Okay, cool. That's your that's your thing. Oh, slightly different, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's still a thrill, isn't it? It's still a... I mean, can you call powerlifting extreme sport? I'd say it's pretty extreme. 
probably only extreme if you drop the bar on yourself or something. I don't know. Well, you did, you burst your eye, mate. I've never burst my eye windsurfing. I suppose, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'll take that. That's pretty savage. <laughs> that's pretty savage. Um, yeah, guys, that was weightlifting part two with Lewis Cheatham. I hope you guys have enjoyed. Um, if you have enjoyed, please uh, like on on uh, Spotify or like on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, please share it with your friends. Please subscribe. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at the After Hours Lounge. Lewis, do you want to plug plug anything? Do you want to plug your powerlifting page on Instagram? Yeah, bro. Uh, just Renegade underscore powerlifting. Um, it's it's a private page, but I'm open to any follows. Uh, happy to reach out to any one of you as well. And you know, hopefully, off the back of this, hear some hear from some new fresh faces. So it'd be nice to meet you. Exactly, yeah. I mean, if you're in the north of Scotland, um, yeah, get in touch with, with Lewis for any, any weightlifting stuff. Um, yeah, renegade underscore powerlifting, and I am at the After Hours Lounge or at Sandy Clunas if you just want to watch videos of me win, sir. Um, yeah, thank you very much, guys. Stay tuned for the next episode. Uh, cheers, Lewis. It's a pleasure. Thank cheers. you. Nice, guys. We will see you next time. <laughs>